0: Chapter fifteen of Cousin Pons by Honore de Balzac, translated by Ellen Marriage. This Librivox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Piry. Chapter fifteen. Madame Fontaine's prophecy had frightened La Cibot. She vowed to herself that she would gain her ends by kindness. She would sleep secure on m Pons's legacy, but her rascality should keep within the limits of the law for ten years she had not suspected the value of pons's collection she had a clear record behind her of ten years of devotion honesty and disinterestedness it was a magnificent investment and now she proposed to realize in one day remonencq's hint of money had hatched the serpent's egg the craving for riches that had lain dormant within her for twenty years since she had cherished that craving it had grown in force with the ferment of all the evil that lurks in the corners of the heart how she acted upon the counsels whispered by the serpent will presently be seen well she asked of schmucke has this cherub of ours had plenty to drink is he better he is not doing very well dear montame not very well said poor schmucke brushing away the tears from his eyes pooh you make too much of it my dear monsieur schmucke we must take things as we find them cibot might be at death's door and i should not take it to heart as you do come the cherub has a good constitution and he has been steady it seems you see you have no idea what an age sober people live he is very ill it is true but with all the care i take of him i shall bring him round be easy look after your affairs i will keep him company and see that he drinks his pints of barley-water if you were not here i should die of anxiety said schmucke squeezing his kind housekeeper's hand in both his own to express his confidence in her la cibot wiped her eyes as she went back to the invalid's room what is the matter madame cibot asked pons it is monsieur schmucke that has upset me he is crying as if you were dead said she if you are not well you are not so bad yet that nobody need cry over you but it has given me such a turn oh dear oh dear how silly it is of me to get so fond of people and to think more of you than of cibot for after all you aren't nothing to me you are only my brother by adam's side and yet whenever you are in the question it puts me in such a taking upon my word it does i would cut off my hand my left hand of course to see you coming and going eating your meals and screwing bargains out of dealers as usual if i had had a child of my own i think i should have loved it as i love you eh there take a drink dearie come now empty the glass drink it off monsieur i tell you the first thing dr poulain said was if m pons has no mind to go to pere-lachaise he ought to drink as many buckets full of water in a day as an Auvergnat will sell so come now drink but i do drink cibot my good woman i drink and drink till i am deluged that is right said the portress as she took away the empty glass that is the way to get better doctor poulain had another patient ill of your complaint but he had nobody to look after him his children left him to himself and he died because he didn't drink enough so you must drink honey you see he died and they buried him two months ago and if you were to die you know you would drag down old m schmucke with you sir he is like a child ah he loves you he does the dear lamb of a man no woman never loved a man like that he doesn't care for meat nor drink he has grown as thin as you are in the last fortnight and you are nothing but skin and bones it makes me jealous to see it for i am very fond of you but not to that degree i haven't lost my appetite quite the other way always going up and down stairs till my legs are so tired that i drop down of an evening like a lump of lead here i am neglecting my poor cibot for you mademoiselle remonencq cooks his victuals for him and he goes on about it and says that nothing is right at that i tell him that one ought to put up with something for the sake of other people and that you are so ill that i cannot leave you in the first place, you can't afford a nurse, and before I would have a nurse here, I have done for you these ten years. They want wine and sugar and foot warmers and all sorts of comforts, and they rob their patients unless the patients leave them something in their wills. Have a nurse in here today, and tomorrow we should find a picture or something or other gone. Oh, Madame Cibot, cried pons quite beside himself do not leave me no one must touch anything i am here said la cibot so long as i have the strength i shall be here be easy there was doctor poulain wanting to get a nurse for you perhaps he has his eyes on your treasures i just snubbed him i did the gentleman won't have any one but me i told him he is used to me and i am used to him so he said no more a nurse indeed they are all thieves i hate that sort of woman i do here is a tale that will show you how sly they are there was once an old gentleman it was dr poulain himself mind you who told me this well a madame sabatier a woman of thirty-six that used to sell slippers at the palais royal you remember the galerie at the palais that they pulled down pons nodded well at that time she had not done very well her husband used to drink and died of spontaneous embustion, but she had been a fine woman in her time truth to tell not that it did her any good though she had friends among the lawyers so being hard up she became a monthly nurse and lived in the rue Bar du Bec. well she went out to nurse an old gentleman that had a disease of the lurinary guts saving your presence they used to tap him like an artesian well and he needed such care that she used to sleep on a truckle-bed in the same room with him you would hardly believe such a thing men respect nothing you'll tell me so selfish as they are well she used to talk with him you understand she never left him she amused him she told him stories she drew him on to talk just as we are chatting away together now you and i eh and she found out that his nephews the old gentleman had nephews that his nephews were wretches they had worried him and final end of it they had brought on this illness well my dear sir she saved his life he married her and they have a fine child mme bordevin the butcher's wife in the rue charlot a relative of hers stood godmother there is luck for you as for me i am married and if i have no children i don't mind saying that it is cibot's fault he is too fond of me but if i cared never mind what would have become of me and my cibot if we had had a family when we have not a penny to bless ourselves with after thirty years of faithful service i have not a farthing belonging to nobody else that is what comforts me i have never wronged nobody look here suppose now there's no harm in supposing when you will be out and about again in six weeks time and sauntering along the boulevard well suppose that you had put me down in your will very good i shouldn't never rest till i had found your heirs and given the money back such is my horror of anything that is not earned by the sweat of my brow you will say to me why madame cibot why should you worry yourself like that you have fairly earned the money you looked after your two gentlemen as if they had been your children you saved them a thousand francs a year for there are plenty sir you know that would have had their ten thousand francs put out to interest by now if they had been in my place so if the worthy gentleman leaves you a trifle of an annuity it is only right suppose they told me that well now I am not thinking of myself. I cannot think how some women can do a kindness thinking of themselves all the time. It is not doing good, sir, is it? I do not go to church myself, I haven't the time, but my conscience tells me what is right. Don't you fidget like that, my lamb. Don't scratch yourself. Dear me, how yellow you grow! So yellow you are, quite brown! How funny it is that one can come to look like a lemon in three weeks! Honesty is all that poor folk have, and one must surely have something. Suppose that you were just at death's door, I should be the first to tell you that you ought to leave all that you have to Monsieur Schmucke. It is your duty, for he is all the family you have. He loves you he does, as a dog loves his master. Ah, yes, said Pons, nobody else has ever loved me all my life long ah that is not kind of you sir said madame cibot then i do not love you i suppose i do not say so my dear madame cibot. good you take me for a servant do you a common servant as if i hadn't no heart goodness me for eleven years you do for two old bachelors you think of nothing but their comfort i have turned half a score of greengrocers shops upside down for you i have talked people round to get you good brie cheese i have gone down as far as the market for fresh butter for you i have taken such care of things that nothing of yours hasn't been chipped nor broken in all these ten years i have just treated you like my own children and then to hear a my dear madame cibot that shows that there is not a bit of feeling for you in the heart of an old gentleman that you have cared for like a king's son for the little king of rome was not so well looked after he died in his prime there is proof for you come sir you are unjust you are ungrateful it is because i am only a poor portress goodness me are you one of those that think we are dogs but my dear madame cibot indeed you that know so much tell me why we porters are treated like this and are supposed to have no feelings people look down on us in these days when they talk of equality as for me am i not as good as another woman i that was one of the finest women in paris and was called la belle Ecaillere and received declarations seven or eight times a day and even now if i light look here sir you know that little scrubby marine store dealer downstairs very well he would marry me any day if i were a widow that is with his eyes shut he has had them looking wide open in my direction so often he is always saying oh what fine arms you have ma'am cibot i dreamed last night that it was bread and i was butter and i was spread on the top look sir there is an arm she rolled up her sleeve and displayed the shapeliest arm imaginable as white and fresh as her hand was red and rough a plump round dimpled arm drawn from its merino sheath like a blade from the scabbard to dazzle pons who looked away for every oyster the knife opened the arm has opened a heart well it belongs to cibot and i did wrong when i neglected him Poor dear, he would throw himself over a precipice at a word from me. While you, sir, that call me my dear Madame Cibot, when I do impossible things for you, do just listen to me. Broke in the patient, I cannot call you my mother nor my wife. No, never in all my born days will I take again to anybody. Do let me speak, continued Pons let me see i put monsieur schmucke first monsieur schmucke there is a heart for you cried la cibot ah he loves me but then he is poor it is money that deadens the heart and you are rich oh well take a nurse you will see what a life she will lead you she will torment you you will be like a cockchafer on a string the doctor will say that you must have plenty to drink and she will do nothing but feed you she will bring you to your grave and rob you you do not deserve to have a Madame cibot there when dr poulain comes ask him for a nurse oh fiddlestick and the patient cried angrily will you listen to me when i spoke of my friend schmucke i was not thinking of women I know quite well that no one cares for me so sincerely as you do, you and Schmucke." "'Have the goodness not to irritate yourself in this way,' exclaimed La Cibot, plunging down upon Ponce and covering him by force with the bedclothes. "'How should I not love you?' said poor Ponce. "'You love me, really? There, there, forgive me, sir,' she said, crying and wiping her eyes ah yes of course you love me as you love a servant that is the way a servant to whom you throw an annuity of six hundred francs like a crust you fling into a dog's kennel oh madame cibot cried pons for what do you take me you do not know me ah you will care even more than that for me she said meeting pons's eyes you will love your kind old cibot like a mother will you not a mother that is it i am your mother you are both of you my children ah if i only knew them that caused you this sorrow i would do that which would bring me into the police-courts and even to prison i would tear their eyes out such people deserve to die at the barriere saint-jacques and that is too good for such scoundrels so kind so good as you are for you have a heart of gold you were sent into the world to make some woman happy yes you would have her happy as anybody can see you were cut out for that in the very beginning when i saw how you were with monsieur schmucke i said to myself monsieur pons has missed the life he was meant for he was made to be a good husband come now you like women ah yes said pons and no woman has been mine really exclaimed la Cibot with a provocative air as she came nearer and took pons's hand in hers do you not know what it is to love a woman that will do anything for her lover is it possible if i were in your place i should not wish to leave this world for another until i had known the greatest happiness on earth poor dear if i was now what i was once i would leave cibot for you upon my word i would why with a nose shaped like that for you have a fine nose how did you manage it poor cherub you will tell me that not every woman knows a man when she sees him and a pity it is that they marry so at random as they do it makes you sorry to see it now for my own part i should have thought that you had had mistresses by the dozen dancers actresses and duchesses for you went out so much when you went out i used to say to Cibot, look there is m pons going a-galavanting on my word i did i was so sure that women ran after you heaven made you for love why my dear sir i found that out on the first day that you dined at home and you were so touched with m schmucke's pleasure and next day m schmucke kept saying to me montame he have dined here with the tears in his eyes till i cried along with him like a fool as i am and how sad he looked when you took to gadding abroad again and dining out poor man you never saw any one so disconsolate ah you are quite right to leave everything to him dear worthy man why he is as good as a family to you he is do not forget him for if you do god will not receive you into his paradise for those that have been ungrateful to their friends and left them no want, will not go to heaven." In vain Pons tried to put in a word. La Cibot talked as the wind blows. Means of arresting steam-engines have been invented, but it would tax a mechanician's genius to discover any plan for stopping a portress's tongue. "'I know what you mean,' continued she. "'But it does not kill you, my dear gentleman, to make a will when you are out of health and in your place i might not leave that poor dear alone for fear that something might happen he is like god almighty's lamb he knows nothing about nothing and i should not like him to be at the mercy of those sharks of lawyers and a wretched pack of relations let us see now has one of them come here to see you in twenty years and would you leave your property to them do you know they say that all these things here are worth something why yes said pons remonencq who deals in pictures and knows that you are an amateur says that he would be quite ready to pay you an annuity of thirty thousand francs so long as you live to have the pictures afterwards there is a change if i were you i should take it why i thought he said it for a joke when he told me that you ought to let m schmucke know the value of all those things for he is a man that could be cheated like a child he has not the slightest idea of the value of these fine things that you have he so little suspects it that he would give them away for a morsel of bread if he did not keep them all his life for love of you always supposing that he lives after you for he will die of your death but i am here i will take his part against anybody and everybody i and cibot will defend him dear madame cibot said pons what would have become of me if it had not been for you and schmucke he felt touched by this horrible prattle the feeling in it seemed to be ingenuous as it usually is in the speech of the people ah we really are your only friends on earth that is very true that is but two good hearts are worth all the families in the world don't talk of families to me a family as the old actor said of the tongue is the best and the worst of all things where are those relations of yours now have you any i have never seen them they have brought me to lie here said pons with intense bitterness so you have relations cried la cibot springing up as if her easy chair had been heated red-hot oh well they are a nice lot are your relations what these three weeks for this is the twentieth day to-day that you have been ill and like to die in these three weeks they have not come once to ask for news of you that's a trifle too strong that is why in your place i would leave all i had to the foundling hospital sooner than give them one farthing well my dear Madame cibot i meant to leave all that i had to a cousin once removed the daughter of my first cousin president camusot you know who came here one morning nearly two months ago oh a little stout man who sent his servants to beg your pardon for his wife's blunder. the housemaid came asking me questions about you an affected old creature she is my fingers itched to give her velvet tippet a-dusting with my broom handle a servant wearing a velvet tippet did anybody ever see the like no upon my word the world is turned upside down what is the use of making a revolution dine twice a day if you can afford it you scamps of rich folk but laws are no good i tell you and nothing will be safe if louis-philippe does not keep people in their places for after all if we are all equal eh, sir a housemaid didn't ought to have a velvet tippet while i madame cibot haven't one after thirty years of honest work there is a pretty thing for you people ought to be able to tell who you are a housemaid is a housemaid just as i myself am a portress why do they have silk epaulettes in the army let everybody keep their place look here do you want me to tell you what all this comes to very well france is going to the dogs if the emperor had been here things would have been very different wouldn't they sir so i said to cibot i said see here cibot a house where the servants wear velvet tippets belongs to people that have no heart in them no heart in them that is just it repeated pons and with that he began to tell Madame cibot about his troubles and mortifications she pouring out abuse of the relations the while and showing exceeding tenderness on every fresh sentence in the sad history she fairly wept at last to understand the sudden intimacy between the old musician and madame cibot you have only to imagine the position of an old bachelor lying on his bed of pain seriously ill for the first time in his life pons felt that he was alone in the world the days that he spent by himself were all the longer because he was struggling with the indefinable nausea of a liver complaint which blackens the brightest life cut off from all his many interests the sufferer falls a victim to a kind of nostalgia he regrets the many sights to be seen for nothing in paris the isolation the darkened days the suffering that affects the mind and spirits even more than the body the emptiness of the life all these things tend to induce him to cling to the human being who waits on him as a drowned man clings to a plank and this especially if the bachelor patient's character is as weak as his nature is sensitive and credulous pons was charmed to hear la cibot's tittle-tattle schmucke mme cibot and dr poulain meant all humanity to him now when his sick-room became the universe if invalid's thoughts as a rule never travel beyond in the little space over which their eyes can wander if their selfishness in its narrow sphere subordinates all creatures and all things to itself you can imagine the lengths to which an old bachelor may go before three weeks were out he had even gone so far as to regret once and again that he had not married madeleine Vivet. madame cibot too had made immense progress in his esteem in those three weeks without her he felt that he should have been utterly lost for as for schmucke the poor invalid looked upon him as a second pons la cibot's prodigious art consisted in expressing pons's own ideas and this she did quite unconsciously ah here comes the doctor she exclaimed as the bell rang and away she went knowing very well that remonencq had come with the jew make no noise gentlemen said she he must not know anything he is all on the fidget when his precious treasures are concerned a walk round will be enough said the hebrew armed with a magnifying glass and a lorgnette End of chapter fifteen